I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, imagine this. Daniel Ricardo might not be at Red Bull next year. I know. Shocking. Yes, it's that time again, when the trickle of speculation amongst F1 YouTube content creators starts to become a flood of predictions, guesswork, and punditry, and us just picking things out of the ether and going like, I don't know what's going to happen. And I'll also predict who's going to win the Max Verstappen F1 Championship next year. So be sure to subscribe when that drops, that means you're ready to find out exactly how wrong I will be. So we'll start off with the likes of Haas, and I reckon that the current two drivers will be not at that team next year. We might have a completely different lineup with the likes of Esteban Ocon and Oli Behrman from Formula 2. Unfortunately, I don't see Kevin Magnussen carrying on in F1 after the false dawn that was 2022. 2023 was a year that we once again saw Kevin appear lost and unable to make the most of the Haas car, which was woefully undeveloped. And quite frankly, from all the press that I've seen, 2024 doesn't look like it's going to be much better, with the team kind of concerned whether or not they'll actually make the preseason testing in Bahrain or even the race. That's according to Gene. And as for Nico, I realistically don't see him extending his contract. Not for the fact that he's too old or anything, but the fact that he'll have something better coming for him in 2025. But I feel like this could be a really good opportunity for Esteban Ocon to really carve out himself as a team leader without question. And also, the ambience of Haas kind of fits him, you know. He's feisty, he's a go-getter, he's super aggressive. That's something that Haas really knows how to handle with, having to deal with the likes of Roman Grosjean and Kevin Magnussen for multiple seasons. Even though Gunther Steiner's no longer there, I'm pretty sure that Ayo Komatsu will be able to handle them just as well. Or who knows, we might see a completely different change of mood at Haas, but I still feel like Oli Behrman will be partnering whoever's going to be the main driver at Haas. Behrman has been in the car, and they have been talking about him like he's the second coming or something. They have been gushing about him constantly, and he's been able to perform. Gene Haas has been talking about, why have we not made the most of our Ferrari relationship? We should be doing that more. Well, Ollie is part of the Ferrari Academy, I'm just saying. And also, Ollie just feels comfortable there. In all of those test sessions, it just felt right, you know? So I just feel like this lineup is quite likely for Haas. 
I'm not going to discuss whether or not they're going to be in the sport for much longer. That's really not part of this video. Let's just wait and see what happens after the new Concord agreement is signed, yeah? Now, next up, T-Bone Stake F1 team. The team in 2025 will have a majority stake owned by Audi as their ownership gradually increases and their title sponsor will probably be shown the door as I doubt the car maker will want to fraternize with that kind of a sponsor. As for who's going to be driving for them, come on, a German automaker not having a German driver in their ranks? It's kind of obvious, isn't it? But is it going to be Mick Schumacher? Well, no, I've got plans for him later on in this video, but for now, I think it's going to be obvious that it's going to be Nico Hülkenberg, because he's still quite the commodity, even though he's in his late 30s. But with Fernando Alonso's performance, really, that doesn't matter anymore. Who's going to be partnering him? Well, I reckon that this place could be the refuge salver of Sergio Perez. Wait, Checo doesn't get the seat at Red Bull anymore? Even though Christian Horner says it's Checo's seat to lose? Yeah, I know. It's quite interesting, but I feel this might make sense, and it could be a really good lineup for Audi to get to grips with Formula One. You see, Nico and Sergio have been teammates before, for three seasons at Force India, and they were quite the spicy combination and got on famously, to the point where Force India in 2016 were fourth place in the constructors thanks to their handiwork of being midfield masters. Even though Nico Hülkenberg never got a podium, he was a driver that a midfield team could depend on consistently, as was Sergio Perez. And on top of all of that, they both have history at the likes of the Sauber team. Nico Hülkenberg saving their bacon in 2013 and then falling in love with him. And it was the place where Sergio Perez started his Formula One career. It paying off dividends in 2012 with that fabulous second place in Malaysia against Alonso, which got him his McLaren seat for better or worse, mostly worse. But there is a lot of history with that team, and these two drivers at the twilight era of their career will definitely see a bit of a reboot and probably will get the plunge with the likes of Audi for wanting some experienced hands as they find their way as the full controllers of whatever Sauber becomes in 2026. These two drivers will be on the ground floor because James Key has been talking about the Audi project not coming up to full potential before 2027. So I reckon that these two will be good placeholder drivers, but dependable ones at that, for whoever comes in for the following year when 2028, you might see Audi being quite competitive. Now, of course, we get to insert your name here, Racing Bulls, insert your name here, this is a cool spot. It's going to be Liam Lawson and Daniel Ricciardo. Well, controversial, eh? And also not controversial, because Liam Lawson being in the seat, I think it was a given. Because throughout 2023, he impressed massively, and him not being selected to race for Alfa Tauri for 2024, it was an utter travesty. And we felt like he was hard done by. He deserved to be in Formula 1. He had proven his point. He can't take part in FP1 sessions anymore because he's done four or five Grand Prix. So, He's going to be in the simulator and the Red Bull Reserve. And knowing the consistency of those drivers, he's not going to get a race seat. Even though Helmut Marko has claimed that he will have a few races in 2024 to prove himself. At whose expense? I don't know. As for Daniel Ricciardo, why isn't he at Red Bull? Well, I still feel like Peter Bayer's desire to have one old hat driving and a rookie. I reckon that will ring out true. And I believe that Sergio Perez would be offered that plum, but he won't take it. Him going to ribeye f1 team of course but i think daniel ricardo will probably not quite edge it he will be at that team for another year but as i'll explain later in the video it might only be a temporary situation he might get that red bull seat after all 
You'll just have to be a little bit more patient. Okay, Law, is this the part where you say Kimi Antonelli will partner Alex Albon at Williams? Well, I'm afraid to disappoint you, but I reckon it's going to be Logan Sargent partnering Alex Albon next year at Williams. You're kidding me, right? Where's Kimi Antonelli? Surely he'd be a dead cert for partnering Alex in 2025. Well, hear me out here, folks. Let's be real. Toto Wolff has gone on record many times saying that he doesn't want to rush Kimi Antonelli into F1 too soon because he's been rushed through to F2 quite lickety split. I doubt he would want to make the same mistake again, unless by some miracle, Kimi Antonelli wins the F2 championship at the first time of asking, or he's a very close second place. But with that pressure, if he does end up in the top three of having all of the super license points he needs to be in F1, the second year in F2 will be a learning exercise to fully refine himself, and he will still be under the age of 20 by the time he gets into F1 for 2026 with the brand new regulation changes, which might be a quite good place to begin his career. That might make a little bit of sense, and Toto being rational here, very good. And I also feel like 2024 might be a really good time of it for Logan Sargent, because Williams have apparently found quite a few points of downforce with the FW46. And that might be really good for Alex as well, because it means that both drivers will not have to race on the ragged edge when it comes to tracks that don't have lots of straight lines, which Williams have been famously good at shirking everything else. They also claim to find more potential elsewhere in the car, which might play into Logan's favour and most definitely Alex's favour. And even though there are rumours circulating that Albon wants out of his Williams contract and that there are two teams eyeing him up for potential replacements, I don't really see that happening. It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense because all the rhetoric that Albon has given over the last few months have been really positive towards Williams. He seems very keen to be part of the Williams adventure and their rediscovery, him being the leader. Because if he does go to another team, he cannot be the second fiddle. I don't think he would want to be that again after all of the time he had with Max Verstappen. He's learned a lot since then. I think it's going to be a leadership role or nothing. And the other two Williams Academy drivers in F2, Franco Colapinto and Zacco Sullivan. Well, I don't see James Vowles making the same mistake that Jos Capito and Williams made with Logan by rushing him into F1 too soon. They're going to get the full two seasons in Formula 2 to fully learn the craft and what it's like to drive that kind of car before they maybe get piloted in to Formula 1. We might see some FP1 sessions with them both in and maybe just seeing what they can do and comparing them to Logan like we saw with De Vries and Latifi throughout 2022. But I still think that Logan has done enough to maybe warrant a third season. But again, it really depends on how those academy drivers do. But I really don't see James rushing them in like they did with Logan. Okay, Alpine. This one requires a little bit of rational explanation and some uh, conjecture, okay? Yes, I've already said that Esteban Ocon will no longer be driving for Alpine, the contract ending in 2024. And Pierre Gasly, I reckon he's already done plenty to ingratiate himself as the de facto team leader at Alpine. He seems to have gotten himself into the groove very quickly. He's come in at the right time where Alpine have been rejuvenating themselves and the new team principal keen to get rid of all the division, the derision, the angst that's going on behind the scenes between the English and French camps. And Pierre seems to be doing the business and trying to push that further. And I think they might be able to push it even more by Mick Schumacher being his teammate for 2025. Yes, I know Jack Dewan exists. Yes, I know Victor Martins exists. They've been doing really good in F2. But Alpine doesn't really have a good track record with bringing its academy drivers into Formula One in a very orthodox manner. Zhou Guan Yu having to go to Sauber and breaking his contract. Oscar Piastri, we all know what happened with him. So I really don't see that changing anytime soon. 
I know that Jack Doohan is being lined up, but I reckon that Mick Schumacher, if he has a really impressive whack campaign, and Alpine have been really rating his work ethic, as we saw in 2023, it provided some good news stories for Mercedes, him being a really good reserve driver for the likes of Lewis and George, I might be thinking that if Alpine have a good season, and Mick proves to be a really interesting factor in all of that, that might be enough for him to get the second seat at F1. Because Alpine will want to have hardworking drivers who are amiable, they're agreeable, they don't rock the boat. And I see that in Mick. I see that quite a bit. And also, the launch for the A524 is a launch for the WET campaign as well. They're launching them together. So we'll see Mick in the colours of Alpine on the same stage as Gasly and Ocon. And a year in sports car racing, where teamwork is paramount, that could be really good for his experience and us getting to see what he can do, his full potential in a different kind of car. Hypercars and all of the stuff around it are becoming really, really interesting property. Him reviving his F1 career at Enston could be a nice part of the Mick Schumacher narrative. I know, I'm prepared to die on that hill. Aston Martin, I know a lot of you people are going to be thinking that Lance Stroll's going to get the boot. Well, I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. No, I think it's going to be Alonso and Stroll again. Really? Care to explain, Law? Well, the thing about this is, is that Lance Stroll, if he has a little bit of pressure under him, can do pretty well. Because when he was at Williams, even though Papa Stroll was investing quite a bit into that team, he didn't own the team. There was still a bit of pushback from the likes of Claire and Frank Williams that Lance Stroll, if he didn't perform, could be thrown out of the team. But luckily for him, he did impress. And 2018, there wasn't really much that he could do because that car was really heading towards mediocrity and neither could Sergei Sorotkin do much. They were just there to keep them afloat before 2019 and that car. Either way, that little bit of pressure worked wonders for Lance Stroll's development, him getting that podium at Baku. That was incredible. And I feel like if he had that similar kind of pressure at Aston Martin with external sponsors out there going, Lance had better perform or else we might put pressure on you, Papa Stroll, in terms of who you're going to be finding to partner Fernando Alonso, because it's quite obvious. Fernando, oh yeah, he's safe. No problem at all there. So I feel like Lance might do the business in 2024, be that little bit more consistent, find the right people to help coach him throughout the entire year so we don't see that mid-season slump. And we might see something spectacular in 2024. And he turns out to be not too shabby. He then is reborn as a decent front-running driver, or at least a midfield driver who can bring in the results. Because Lance Stroll can no longer hide in the midfield pack anymore. If he has a bad race, then you could easily go, oh, tough luck. Oh, Aston weren't performing that day. Not much he could do. You can't do that anymore. 
as I talked about in this video that you can bookmark for later. McLaren, there's really not much to predict here because they're one of the few teams that have actually kept their lineup for 2025. Norris and Piastri, of course they're going to be in there for this year. But I reckon there could be an interesting little power struggle going on in 2024 where Piastri comes out on top. There's not much to go on right here right now because 2024 hasn't happened yet. But so far, throughout all the stuff that I have seen, I think that Oscar has the slight edge. But if Lando starts off the 2024 season on a good note, he is predicted, guaranteed to be fantastic throughout the season. But Oscar is learning. Oscar is learning fast. And I reckon that 2024, he will put to bed some of the wandering doubts that he had regarding to tyre management. And he could be really, really fearless and relentless. McLaren are not holding back for 2024. They are guaranteed to be working on development, not chasing results and glory on the race-by-race -race basis. They are looking to improve for the long term. And Oscar is right there at the start of it. And there's really just a case for it. It's all up for Oscar. He shows no fear. Whereas Lando kind of shows some fear and a lack of willingness to really compete against Max Verstappen at the moment. That could all change with the MCL 38 if he has the car to back up his skills. But that little power play, that's going to be interesting to watch. Maybe I might make a video on that subject later on. Now, Ferrari. Even though both drivers have their contracts up at the end of 2024, let's be real here. Charles Leclerc, he ain't going nowhere. With a rumoured 2 plus 3 contract deal, two years guaranteed at Ferrari, and a three-year option, depending on how well they do for 2026, which sounds shrewd enough to me. So I reckon there's no problem with him. And also, the team is guaranteeing to steer the development cycle around him. Ever since Suzuka, it's been really sort of geared towards Charles and Fred doing his best to keep him because they put so much investment, so much of their time into making Charles Leclerc the golden boy and future of Ferrari. They can't stop now, all at the expense of Carlos Sainz. But I reckon he might be able to negotiate a contract to keep him there just that little bit longer. I don't think his story at Ferrari is done yet. And even though loads of people are talking about Carlos Sainz joining Sauber and then it becomes Audi, him being the leader there, or maybe sometimes I reckon he might go back to McLaren. He's going to be banging his head against the wall constantly to Fred, convincing them that he should be the team leader. Because 2023, it was a great case study for him. The first season ever in his career where he's convincingly been a front-running driver. That has been remarkable. He's no longer anonymous. People know his name. And not just because of the antics that happened in Vegas and Abu Dhabi. But yeah, I reckon that they'll keep that driver lineup for at least two more years. But it's a little bit shaky. Could easily change, but I think Carlos might just hang in there. Mercedes, come on, it's Hamilton and Russell again. But in terms of who's going to get the power play and who's going to be the dominant driver, it's going to be Lewis Hamilton for 2025 as well. Because let's just be real here. He's now bedding himself in to be in Formula One for a lot longer than he originally intended. If he can get an African race, if he can get his ace title, then he might retire. But for now, he's going to keep going. Fernando Alonso has been an excellent case study that age is no longer the defining factor of how long you're going to be in Formula One. Nico Hülkenberg taking a leaf out of their book as well, probably, because he's no spring chicken. And I also reckon that's going to be at George Russell's expense. He's going to be trying to convince everybody that he should be the driver that they are backing. But... Lewis Hamilton's right there, and he's not going anywhere, and Mercedes aren't going to chuck him out. I do feel like maybe Kimi Antonelli might be a reserve driver for Mercedes, playing double duty with his F2 campaign. Of course, to try and gain some experience for him eventually getting into Formula 1, because Mercedes, they are very keen to have him in the sport. But 
don't rush him in too soon. Also, maybe scare the living Jesus out of the likes of George, because that's the new golden boy, and he's training up the new golden boy, even though he was promised that he was going to be the golden boy by Toto. Or there's going to be some very interesting friction with George. Thank you very much for your patience. Max Verstappen, of course, it's a given. Yeah, he's not going anywhere. Of course he's not. But partnering him? Yuki Tsunoda. I know. It's really interesting. He might just get the edge over Daniel, but there are some caveats here. This relationship, Max Verstappen and Yuki Tsunoda as teammates, it'll last just one season. Here are two reasons why. Even though Yuki has been committed to staying with Red Bull, and he said so on many occasions, and that he's definitely not looking at what Honda are doing over at Aston Martin and maybe seeing that as an exit strategy possibly, if he doesn't get the Red Bull plum, I reckon that Red Bull will bring him on for 2025 because he's done his time in F1, he deserves a shot, but they're not going to make it easy for him. They're going to turn the screw. They're really going to amp it up to 11, given the same kind of pressure that Sergio Perez put himself under throughout 2023. Okay, fortunately for Checo, he managed to survive all the way through it. Barely. But Yuki, will he be able to resist all of that? It remains to be seen. But if all of that negativity gets too much for him, or if Red Bull just proved to be like, Nah, we kind of want Daniel in for 2026. This is just a placeholder before the new regulations come in. I reckon Yuki will probably bounce for multiple reasons. And also, speaking of 2026, a lot of driver's agents are going to be putting their ears to the ground in trying to figure out who is going to be really hitting the ground running come 2026 with all of those new regulation changes, because they are quite comprehensive, in fact. And I reckon that Yuki, with that Honda connection, might be rumoured to go and partner Fernando Alonso for that particular season, if Lance decides to either retire from Formula One or go and take up the hypercar campaign for Aston Martin. Or it might be Stroll and Sonoda if Fernando decides... Nah, it's not for me anymore, and I decide to retire. That might be a really intriguing proposition. Even though Honda's promised not really to get in the way of who drives for Aston Martin, I bet they will do a little bit of convincing in the background. But I don't think it's going to be the same extent as Honda used to do with convincing people to have their drivers in that team. And he probably will have to drive the nuts out of that car. And if he doesn't, then Daniel gets it for 2026. I reckon that's what's going to happen here. Daniel will just have to be a little bit more patient and be at the second team for just a little bit longer. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thanks for listening to my ladder ramblings. If you liked what you heard, do be sure to leave a five-star rating on your podcasting platform of choice. I really do appreciate it. And until the next time I traverse the ladder, I hope you have a pleasant day. Goodbye.